So here we are on the Spirit Rock land in these great majestic oak trees. And in fact, the Satipatthana Sutta, which is the teaching on the four ways we can be mindful, the four foundations of mindfulness, the four orientations of mindfulness. The whole teaching starts with the acknowledgement that here and now, one can sit under the trees. So we're in exactly the right place. And that teaching involves four pieces, and the first foundation being the body, and then the next foundations being that there are three basic flavors of experience, embodied and mentally being a human, that things are pleasant, unpleasant, or neither and they're always changing. And then we can take a look at the foundation of the orientation of mind and mind states. And we can take a look at the foundation that are frameworks for how we can be wise within having a body and a mind. But we're just going to stick with the first foundation today. And I love the fact that the Buddha started with the body. I don't think that's an accident. But one of the things I love the most about the teaching is the very first word of the entire teaching. And this is one of the most important teachings in our tradition. And the very first word of the teaching in the old language, in the Pali, is this word, Ida. Ida. So the whole teaching starts with Ida. And what does Ida mean? It means here. If you can't remember anything else about the teaching, just remember Ida, here. That's enough. That's an instruction for a whole spiritual life, here. And then maybe if you remember one more thing, it's here, under the trees. One can establish mindfulness. When I first heard that this word that began the whole teaching was ida or here, I had the thought, well, that sounds lovely. How do I get here? How do I actually get here? It sounds easy enough. But what I found was that often the mind was somewhere else. Am I the only one that's had this experience? (laughs) Mind was somewhere else. How do I get here? What's a technique? What's a teaching? What do I do? I want to be here. How do I get here? And so one of the things that I've been doing for the last decade is uh, weaving traditions because we know that a lot of the specific techniques that the Buddha taught were lost. They've been lost over the years, and it's amazing how many we still have to benefit from. But my feeling is if it's in alignment with the teaching and it's skillful, let's use it. The Buddha wasn't so into what's good or what's bad. He was into what's skillful and what's unskillful. And let's support and use the skillful and see if we can um, have some intervention with the unskillful. And so what I've been weaving together over the last 10 years are the traditions of this Dhamma, this meditation, and somatic experiencing. And somatic experiencing was founded by... um, Peter Levine, and he's a scientist, and he actually went out into the wild 
and he started watching predator and prey relationships. And I'm totally simplifying the story. But he had a basic question. And the basic question was, here are these animals that are always about to be killed and are always about to kill. Why are they not traumatized? And just the fact that he took the amount of years to observe and to, to see and to allow his own wisdom about this to shine forth tells me that this tradition is a mindfulness-based tradition. And it's completely a somatically mindfulness-based tradition. And the answers that he discovered are the ground for the tradition. And so I got really interested in taking some of the basic principles of somatic experiencing, which is what the form is called, and tying them in with the first foundation of mindfulness, because they work. So let's see how they work for each one of us. Um, And I just want to say a reminder that when we try a new practice, sometimes the first time it doesn't land. Many times I learn a new technique or a new practice or even a new theory. It just doesn't quite land the first time. And then I think to myself, well, let me just give it some space, try it on a few more times, be open to it, touching me, lighting me up. Maybe it won't, but I don't have to like give up just because the first time it didn't quite land. It was definitely like that for me with mindfulness of breathing. What if I'd given up and said, I'm a failure, I can't do this? You think I'd be sitting here right now? Probably not. So Ida, a wonderful practice that actually gets us here from the root. And when I'm saying from the root, from the nervous system level. I think a lot of our instructions in this tradition actually work from the head work from the mental level. Try this mental technique. Try this mental technique. They're great. We need them all. But I'm interested in working from the root. And the root's our nervous system. It's ancient. Doesn't care if we have letters after our name or how many we've got, how smart we are in the intellectual way. It doesn't care. It deeply wants to be here. And we need to come into relationship to support it, as Manuela was saying. So a very simple practice to um, invite ourselves more deeply here is to simply begin to look around. We won't do eye-gazing with each other, but instead of always eyes closed all day when we're here, we can start to look around. Start to look around this room, right? There's beautiful views outside the windows. How many exits are there in this hall? Don't tell yourself you know. Take your eyes, turn your neck. You're going to need to turn around. Nervous system loves that. Use your eyes and your neck and look. There's things going on above us. We can look at that. If you haven't taken the opportunity to turn around and look and see what's behind you, please do it. I know your adult mind says, I know what's behind me. Your nervous system loves to see. Oh, hello, Buddha. (laughs) And then maybe there's something just outside the hall, beautiful, Maybe there's something in the hall that calls your attention. The feeling tone's pleasant. Makes you smile. 
makes you feel at ease, just take a moment to gaze at that thing. Yeah, I'm hearing a few people, like, the breath is deepening, right? It's like, that's some indication that, oh, I can settle a little bit more, discharge a little bit of reactivity. It's okay if you didn't breathe deeper. Just relax and see what's beautiful. So this is Ida, you know, from the root. Instead of arriving at Spirit Rock and entering the hall, you you know, you kind of look around just enough to figure out where you want to sit. And then you go, I know... I know I'm here, I know what this is, I know where the exits are, that we actually invite our somatic system into that sense of here-ness. In somatic experiencing, this technique is called orienting. In Dharma, we can call it Ida, here. It's all the same. When I walk into new rooms and new environments, I've just trained myself to do this every time. In transitions, it's a wonderful practice. When you're walking into a difficult interpersonal situation, to actually take that moment before you engage them to just turn your head and use your eyes and see where the exit is just in case, knowing that you're probably not going to have to like run out quickly. But your nervous system is so reassured to know that you care that much. No, to give that gift. So that's how the sutta begins. Ida, here. Now we're going to hit rewind because that teaching was given after the Buddha's enlightenment and now we're going to rewind to just before Siddhartha's enlightenment. And some of you know the story. So I'm going to focus on a particular moment in the story that many of us that know the story love. The broad brushstrokes of the story is that we're at the moment where Siddhartha, the Buddha-to-be, is in Bodh Gaya, India, um, and has found himself a tree to sit under after having... Okay, let's hit a little bit more rewind, broad brushstrokes. So there's a lot of ways we can engage the spiritual path. And different ways are skillful at different times. And part of the way we learn what's skillful is by trial and error. And Siddhartha was no different. And so engaging the spiritual path, he trained with teachers that trained him well. And then he went and did some very, very um, extreme practices of mortification of the body, of denying the body, thinking that it might free him. And he actually almost died. So his ardency was strong, but it took him to the edge. Fortunately, he saw it as an edge, and he had an incredible intuition, and the intuition came in the form of a question. There he is almost dead, and the question was, might there be another way? This is a key question for our spiritual path. (laughs) Might there be another way? 
And he had an intuition that there was another way and that even though it was against the beliefs of his spiritual friends, he took nourishment. He received an offering of nourishment from a local woman who was going to offer a gift to a tree. Okay. And out of receiving that nourishment, he had just enough strength and energy to find the Bodhi tree in Bogaya and sit down and say, okay, I still have the ardency. I'm just moving it in a different direction that's more body-affirming, although I don't know if he had that thought, but it certainly was more body-affirming. And so he's sitting under the tree, and we know this part of the story, everything came to visit. Every possible archetypal internal-external difficulty. The rage, the fear, the lust, the doubt, the whole nine yards. As it does, you know, while we're living a life and certainly when we up our game on the spiritual path. Self-judgment. I can't do this. It turns into doubt. Who do I think I am? Well, it happened to him. And as the story is told one way, because the story is told several different ways, when the doubt finally arises after everything else, who do you think you are to be sitting under this tree thinking you're going to get enlightened? And what does he do? Ah. Okay. So we've got our Buddha Rupa behind us. And you see, especially when I move more later, that he puts his right hand down and touches the earth. It's the earth-touching gesture. And he makes contact and says, you know, my intention is sincere. And everything that I brought to this is my right to awaken in this life for the benefit of all beings. Period. And as this story goes, that was the threshold. That was the threshold moment that what was already moving through him in awakening culminated. It's not as if he wasn't awake and then totally awake. What was moving through him culminated. That was the threshold. So I'm interested in that. And I'm interested in not waiting until that moment and I'm the Buddha to be. I mean, maybe I am. Maybe you are. We don't know. So let's not play small. I'm interested in these moments and how we can use them to support our own spiritual path. So tying it together with somatic experiencing, oh, there's a wonderful practice that's called resourcing. And I have to say, it's one of my go-tos in mindfulness practice every day in my life. I'm interested in practices that can be done hundreds of times a day, quickly, and it's stealth dharma. Nobody knows we're doing it. That's what I'm interested in. And so this is one. And it's a grounding practice, and it's acknowledging the earth, right? So again, just keeping your posture, because it's not about a special posture. You don't have to change your posture. You need to be able to do this on the go. Um, first, I'd like to just ask you to check, and if you have pain in your feet, um, choose your hands. If you have pain in your hands, choose your feet. If you have pain in both, um, you can choose the contact with the cushion or the chair. And if you're in one of those times where really just the whole physical experience 
is pretty unpleasant, you might just really um, feel the support of the chair as your ground. Okay. Um, but we're choosing a spot, and we're, ten- we're trying to choose a spot that is not painful if possible. And if it helps you to close your eyes to land more in the body, go ahead. If it feels safer for you to keep your eyes open to be in the body, go ahead. But whether you're choosing your hands or your feet or wherever you are choosing, feeling the field of sensations that we so quickly label hands or feet. What are the sensations that tell you that you've got hands or feet? And we're talking about the elements, right? So you can notice, are they warm or cool? Maybe there's a sense of Vibrating or tingling, pulsing, maybe they're light or heavy. Sometimes they feel like blocks of wood. Sometimes they feel numb in places. You can feel the numbness. Again, I'm noticing some people, their body has a deeper breath. It's fine to invite that in now. We're not bothering anybody. The mind jumps out goes somewhere else, just gently bring it back. The field of sensations of the hands or the feet. You can wiggle the toes or the fingers a little if it helps you be here, this body. And we can't make it happen. But anytime there is some simple warmth or tingling or pulsing or vibrating. It's the body's way, the nervous system's way of beginning to naturally release extra reactivity. The body knows how to do that and we're supporting it by mindfully bringing attention to areas where discharge can move out of the hands, of the feet, And just like Siddhartha said, I bring all my sincerity and intention to this to be free. That's what we're doing through this practice, bringing all of our intention and sincerity to ground, to be here, and the freedom of that.
So another wonderful way to use that practice, and again, we did it a little bit longer. You can just do it for 30 seconds if you're on the go. But again, you got to train enough to be able to do it. It's not going to just happen naturally. Um, but in meditation practice, I use that principle actually when I'm practicing mindfulness of breathing. I use it in between breaths. So there'll be an inhale that's known in sensation, an exhale that's known in sens- sensation. And then there's that pause. You know that pause where you always get lost in a story because there's not much going on then? So there's a wonderful practice called a touch point that we can ground in some part of the body between breaths. Well, I would suggest if your hands don't hurt that they're a wonderful touch point. An inhale, just try it with one breath right now, and an exhale and feel your hands. If your hands hurt, use your feet or your sits bones. So then we're offering a more precise continuity of attention, and we're also helping the nervous system to settle. And one of the teachings in the first foundation of mindfulness of the body is we calm the bodily formation. We invite the nervous system to settle. So they all weave together in that way. There's one more simple practice I want to share. And it's based on the principle of pendulation. So pendulation basically means moving from one thing to another thing and back and forth. It's been one of my very helpful um, techniques for working with pain in my own body over the years. And it wasn't available as a technique when I was in low-grade chronic pain. And I wish that it was. So I made the commitment to teach it often so that nobody has to go through the years of meditation without it like I did. There's a lot to it, but we'll just work with the simple right now. My guess is is that being in human bodies, there's somewhere in your body right now that's less than totally 100% comfortable. Yes? Um, Some of us will have to make a stretch and just do it for the purpose of training, and that's fine because it works. Um, You might not want to choose the place that has been in high levels of chronic pain for the last 10 years or on a scale of 1 to 10 of pain, 10 being over the top. Don't choose the 10. We start where it's workable so that we don't shoot out of the body due to too much intensity. Um, Start with something simpler, even though I know that thing is calling the attention. That's his job. It's going SOS, SOS. But with all of our care, we're saying, hey, choose something easier right now. Um, So if there's a place like that for the purpose of training that you can use, I'd ask you to place a hand there, actually. Placing a hand there is a caring thing to do just to begin with. So here's this place that's less than comfortable or somewhat painful. And I'm going to invite us to take three breaths with that place. Just three. Not forever. Just 
And then I'm going to invite you to move your attention to the place where you just resourced, either your hands, your feet, your sits bones, the chair, because we know it's not painful. So gently move your attention there and place your hand there so that we know where we're going. You know, if you can't touch your feet, just kind of down your leg, okay? It doesn't need to be too complicated. Even putting the hand on the thigh for the feet is grounding. And we're going to take a few more breaths there, more breaths than we took with the painful spot. And feel the field of sensations, warm, cold, tingling, vibrating, pulsing, what? And now we're going to move the attention back to the first place. If you want to put your hand there, great. If you don't, fine. Three more breaths with where it is not comfortable. Maybe you feel one sensation of the discomfort. And then as soon as you're done with three breaths, right back to that grounding spot, that resourcing spot. Way more breaths. Totally curious about the field of sensations. And then you can do it a few times in your own time. Three breaths with the discomfort, more than three breaths with the grounding spot. And then when you feel complete for this cycle anyway, I invite you to open your eyes and practice a little bit with that orienting, that ida. Look around. Find a beautiful view. The key is using the neck and the eyes.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.